0: And welcome back for another edition of the Hawkeye Nation uh, Hawkeye History Podcast. I am Rob Howe, uh, publisher of HawkeyeNation.com, and I'm happy to be joined today by former Hawkeye and NFL offensive lineman Adam Geddes. And uh, how are things going, Adam, in this, uh, this upside-down 2020?
1: 2020 has been crazy um, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, you know, there's a lot of things going on. Uh a few ups, more downs, but yeah. you know, as a country, you know, barely we all come together and try to figure this stuff out. Uh
0: before we started recording, um I saw your your son is going to be one on Thursday. Is that your first child or do you have a, a bigger family?
1: No, this is uh my one and only child. My okay. one and only child. So uh yeah, we're excited. We're excited for Thursday, excited to have a first birthday. He doesn't know what's going on, but <laughs> me and his mom are very excited, so we're, yeah. we're, we're ecstatic.
0: He'll get it when he starts looking and sees, sees those presents and the cake and all that other stuff. He'll, he'll, be, he'll get tuned in real quick.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, we, he has ton, a ton of presents and a ton of toys. We don't even know where to put half these toys, so but, <laughs> yeah, it should be good. <laughs> it should be good. Where, where are you living now? I'm in Houston.
0: Oh, okay how long you been there
1: uh since what 2018 okay
0: mm-hmm. so um we'll get back and do the check out your nfl stuff more than that i noticed uh I, on your twitter um comic con um <laughs> this is uh i i know other hawkeyes are are, are into this type of thing i think julian Vandeveldi maybe and mike daniels and
1: oh, i got stories
0: <laughs> you guys have your crew on this for those of us uninitiated, what is it and what you know what 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 type of vibe do you guys get that you're into
1: um it's just a, a getaway from reality, I think that's really what it is for well I can only speak for myself, Julian, and Mike because we're all still really close, but it's kind of our getaway from from football from daily life um sorry it's a little loud he's banging stuff on okay. but uh <laughs> we just we like to watch cartoons, well essentially anime is just cartoons about different things, you have animes about sports, you have animes about daily life, you have pretty much anime, you can be about anything. So like I said, it's just getting away from reality a little bit and enjoying uh, animation. Uh, voice actors do a great job, so it's it's just a little bit of everything. And you guys
0: were all at Iowa, you know, at the same time. Did you, did you guys get into this? Were you guys into this when you were here? <laughs>
1: So, I actually got a story about it. Um, me and Julian actually got in trouble for going to an anime convention during football camp. <laughs> so uh, we we were at football camp. We we stayed at the I want to say I forgot what that hotel is uh, by the water. Um, what the Marriott? It was the Marriott. Yeah, the Marriott. So they have a comic con every year at Iowa. I don't know if they still do it, but this was 2008. I want to say okay. So we had a curfew about ten o'clock. I think it was or 9 or ten o'clock. We had bed check, and me and Julian are like, "All right, we're roommates. We're gonna go down and check it out, have a good time, get back before, um, get back before curfew." So we're watching these videos, different videos in the different rooms, and everybody's dressed up, and we're just so fascinated. And all of a sudden, we, we get up on this anime that we really like. It's like eight fifty-five, and we're like, "All right, it's time to leave. It's time to leave." We don't leave. <laughs> so, <laughs> we get back upstairs around like nine oh five, and nobody says anything. The next day, uh, Kurt calls us up, and he's like, "Did you guys really miss bed check because of anime?" Or like, yeah. <laughs> so we, we we got a little trouble. We we had to do some roles, but uh, it was worth it. <laughs> it was definitely worth it.
0: <laughs> and I saw that, uh, like I said on your Twitter, that you were doing a Q&A. Have you just become more involved with this over time?
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like if, you're, if you really like something, you want to get involved as much, as much as possible with it. So anime is one of those things that I really have a passion about and I really appreciate. So um, I've been in contact with different uh, companies like Funimation and Crunchyroll. Um, I've been to San Diego Comic-Con, I think, four times now been going since 2015 or 16 so I just really enjoy it and I make it my hobby and I love it
0: cool um was that something that uh I know anime has not been around or or at least not been popular for a long long time but were did you were you attracted to that kind of like animation and stuff when you were young when you were a little
1: I was so um cartoons have always been my thing I love cartoons. I didn't even know about anime before cartoons. You know, you don't know what anime is when you're six, seven, eight years old. So I used to watch a lot of Dragon Ball Z just at home or Mm -hmm. in my parents' van. I didn't know it was anime. So once the internet started becoming popular, I looked it up, you know, Dragon Ball Z looking up all the videos and they're like, anime, anime. I'm like, this is just a cartoon on Cartoon Network, you know. (laughs) Yes. And uh, so I was like, okay. The anime let me check this out and then there's just a plethora of things you can find online about anime that's what really got me into it
0: were sports big for you early uh, early on in life was that kind of the were those like two of your main interests when you were younger
1: yeah sports was my number one interest i have to say because i started playing sports i started playing t-ball when i was four years old and played what let's see t-ball then baseball And then I bowled for about 12 years. That was my main sport. Ended up being my main sport. Um, My dad was a uh, really good bowler, really, really good bowler. Could have went PBA if he wanted to. Really? uh, Yeah, he was really good. I think he had like maybe four or five, 300 games. He was really good. And um, then I got into it. Then we started traveling the country bowling. Uh, I was in two or three leagues a year. And we would travel. We traveled to Cincinnati. We traveled to Indiana. We've been all over um, bowling for different uh, competitions, different tournaments. And then I started playing basketball because you know, kid from Chicago, everybody plays <laughs> basketball. So I'm like I got to do it. I got to do it. So my dad started the basketball camp, and uh, played basketball. And then high school played what football, basketball, and track. So been all over in the sports world. So
0: did you bowl in high school, too? Was there a bowling team, or was it more just leagues away from high school?
1: So there was a bowling bowling team, and uh, I really wanted to join the bowling team. But uh, when I was signing up for sports for high school in eighth grade, the football coach came up to me. I was about 6'2", like 260 pounds. I was a big kid. Uh Uh-huh. And he comes up to me, he's like, do you play football? I'm like, no, I don't play football. I'm about to go sign up for bowling. He's like, "Uh, no, you're not. You're about to play football. I'm like, I don't want to play football. And he's like, well, if you don't like football, just come to the first day. If you don't like it, you can go home. But all your friends are signing up. So, you know, just give it a try. And that's how I started playing football.
0: So that was – so football seems like it was – kind of uh, one of the later sports that you even tried. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah, I was always too big to play yeah. at my age range in football. I was always the bigger kid, and my mom was like, no, you're not going to be playing with eighth graders in you're in fifth grade. And so <laughs> um, that was just football was never a focus for me. My, my dad and my uncle always wanted me to play football because my uncle, he got a scholarship to play at St. Joe. Um, in Indi- is that Indiana? Yeah, I think that's Indiana. And uh, he's always wanted me to play football. He's kind of one of the driving forces that helped me to get into the football realm. So, yeah, it was on the back burner for me, though.
0: So um, what was it like when you first got out there and, and you know, it, it's football. You, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but just the physical nature of football is so much different than other sports.
1: I loved it because I've always been a big physical kid. So it was wasn't nothing unnatural to me. <laughs> All the uh, things they told you
0: you couldn't do in basketball, you were like, exactly.
1: oh. <laughs> I was a big kid down low. I was a football player playing basketball during the basketball game. So uh, it was nothing unnatural for me. I remember my first game, you know, I was playing defensive tackle and defensive end. And I I just, was just throwing kids around. I was just bigger than everybody else. So throwing kids around, I'm like, I kind of like this. I think I, was, I had like 13 tackles, two sacks, playing defensive tackle at the time. So. I, I loved it. I fell in love with it really quick.
0: Um, at what point in high school did you realize, hey, this is something that might get me a free education?
1: Um, maybe my so, yeah, it was probably sophomore year. Um, my coaches always kind of said I uh, had two great football coaches who I owe my career to: coaches uh, Rob Zavonar and Jack Eddy. Uh, Rob Zavonar is the head coach of Lincoln Way East, and Jack Eddy was the offensive line coach at the time, and they always saw something in me that they thought could go, you know, and play at another level, at the college level. So they always would tell me, hey, you know, you have an opportunity to be something great here. Uh, There's another guy named Otto Linwood that got a scholarship to Miami of Ohio, and uh, they always kind of saw similarities between me and him. They're like, well, you know, Otto got a scholarship. You can do this. You guys have similar skills. You know, you can be better than him. So I always took that to heart, and they, they saw the potential in me since day one. Like I said, Coach uh, Zavonar said, you know, hey, you should play football because I think you'd be pretty good. So he saw it way before I saw it. So probably sophomore year is actually when I got my first letter, and I want to say it was from – <laughs> it was from University of North Carolina, actually, it was my wow. first letter. I thought that was really cool. And I was like, okay, maybe I have to take this a little bit more serious. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you play both ways in high school? I did. Uh, defensive tackle, defensive end, uh offensive tackle, tight end when we needed it, but we were wing T, so we barely used it. Right. Um, but yeah, play a little bit of everything.
0: What was uh what was it what was the the you know the competition like? In, in Chicago we here, I think it's one of those underrated areas in the country where there's some really, really good players in the Chicago area. But you hear it, Texas, California, Ohio, um, Chicago might be underrated.
1: Chicago's very underrated when it comes to football. You, you see guys, I'll just stick with the, the Iowa guys. Brian Belaga still in the NFL. He's been playing since, you know, we played, we came out the same year and he's still playing. Um, mm. And another guy, uh, Marcus Yousevich, who sh- who would be still playing if he didn't get injured in the mm. combine. Yeah. Uh, just those are just two examples of some great Chicago uh, football players, offensive linemen, that have proven that they're great players. Uh, and that's just the an inch of the talent that's at you know in Chicago. Arthur Ray, uh, he was a Michigan State guy playing mm. for the Dolphins. Um, uh, I can name like thirty dudes. I don't even want to go that far, but. <laughs> Still, all great friends of mine, good, great guys, and I'm just I'm glad to be a part of that Chicago heritage when it comes to football.
0: Yeah, I think you get you know Chicago's known for basketball, kind of like Indiana's known for basketball, but Indianapolis is a really good area for for high school football too. So I think sometimes that gets overlooked. Um, kind of when you talked about North Carolina sending the first letter, when did things start to pick up in recruiting?
1: Um. Probably junior year. Junior year. Um, I was on varsity my sophomore year. Uh, one of the centers had got hurt, and uh, they're like, well, you only play football for a year, but I think you got this. Uh, you're going you're gonna to move from D tackle to center, but I think you can handle it. I'm like, uh, offensive line? Nah. But he made me do it, so I'm, I'm appreciative now. But um, um, I forgot what we were talking about.
0: We're talking about recruiting, just kind of how things started to pick up oh, yeah. and schools come That's in. Right. I, I know schools start to come to your school, then you start to t- take visits and, and offers right. come. Just kind of take us through that process.
1: So junior year was when it really picked up. I started getting handwritten letters. That was a big thing back then. I don't even know if they do those anymore because because, uh, you know, technology. But started getting handwritten letters. Um, Northern Illinois was actually my first offer. They offered me uh, the same day I was going to state for shop putting discus. that was really exciting um uh who else was big it was northern illinois all the mac schools northern illinois western illinois central michigan eastern michigan offered me um the biggest school was iowa Uh, i was getting recruited by a little bit of everybody purdue wisconsin um iowa state so you know a few big schools but nobody really wanted to pull the trigger because at the time i was 220 pounds uh, playing offensive line, and most schools actually wanted me for defensive, defensive end because I was so small, but my expertise was off, offensive line. Mm. Um, I took a few camps. I went to the Purdue camp and did – I was a defensive end for their camp. I went to the Northern – no, it wasn't Northern. I went to the Iowa camp, and that's really where it took off for me. Um, Josh Brent was a big name at the time, and he ended up playing for the Cowboys and a few other guys. I think he was a five-star recruit. He was the best defensive tackle that – Second best defensive tackle behind Marvin Austin. And we were in camp together at Iowa, and I pancaked him. He was destroying everybody the whole day. He's he was massive at the time, <laughs> and I I, I I I hate to say it, but he probably tripped, and I pancaked him. And was like, oh my god, you know, you pancaked Josh Brett. you know, oh my gosh, do it again, do it again. <laughs> and he didn't destroy me, but it was pretty big. <laughs> he, he went after me the next the next play, but. That's when Iowa was like, okay, you know, this guy has some potential. You know, he's small, but he's, you know, hanging with five-star recruits, you know, guys that are going to make it to the NFL. You know, let's see what they can do or see what we can do with him. Um, and I went to – I took a visit to Illinois, northern Illinois. Uh, for northern, actually, they, really, they wanted me bad. They were going to give me Larry English's number. He was the big guy at the time. He was first-round draft pick going to the league. They want to give me his number. I was going to start my freshman year and all this good stuff. Um, it didn't happen, but northern was actually my second choice when it came to uh when it came to school, so I am appreciative of northern very appreciative
0: so Adam, was it just a matter of big Ten versus Mac or what what else was involved in, in that decision
1: it was um it was big, it, I, yeah it was big Ten versus mac um, I felt like I had a better opportunity going to Iowa being an offensive lineman versus going to Northern Illinois being a defensive lineman. Yeah. Um, I played, like I said, I played three years offensive line, and I knew that was my niche. niche, And um, that's just something I wanted to stick with. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Coach Eddie really made offensive line play a, uh, a joy for me. So I wanted to stick with it. And Iowa being, you know, the offensive lineman factory that it is, I knew I had the opportunity to, maybe be something there I was just excited to play <laughs> I was just like all right if I get if I get there and if I play I'll be happy regardless of anything else I never thought about NFL never thought about making it to the league or any of that um but I said if if I can be anything near Marshall Yonder, I'll be a happy guy <laughs> so that was that was my that was my measuring stick at all times actually
0: so, what was the progression like for you? Um, you seem like one of those. You were a two star, I think, maybe a three star, yeah. two star, three star. No. What was the progression <laughs> for you in college, and what you know? What was that process like for you before you could get on the field?
1: So, um, when I first got there, I was two hundred and twenty-seven pounds on the first day as an offensive line. Um, <laughs> so, for me, I'm like I probably not going to do anything here. We'll see. You know, I have some, some confidence in myself, but I'm like, all right. I'm looking at Rob Brueggemann and Seth Olsen on the first day. I'm like, these guys are like 6'6", six, 6'7", <laughs> six, six, 320. I don't think I'm ever going <laughs> to. But um, started off at 227. Uh, you know, they had a great weight program. Coach Doyle, who was a, a great coach, I'll say that. He was a, a great coach, and he was great at what he did. Um, he got me to where I was 250 pounds that, that December. So from July to December, I got from 227 to 250 Wow. and I went down at 2% body fat, which was nuts. Yeah. So, um, he did his job when, when it came to that, uh, didn't play shirt in my first year, second year got to play. I think it was. Uh, Florida International, no, it's Florida Atlantic or Florida. No, it's Florida International, and it was either Ball State or somebody else. So I got to play the first couple games. Arizona State, I think, was one of the teams. Not Arizona State, uh, Arkansas State, and I, I actually played pretty well, considering I was 250 pounds playing offensive guard. Um, then sophomore year came up, same thing. Played like the first couple games, played well. You know, for what I thought, I was about 270 at the time. And then my junior and senior year, I played around 280, and that's when I really got my opportunity to play. Uh, Coach Reese Morgan, who was like a father figure to me and still is, great guy, he uh, he actually gave me the opportunity to play when some other coaches didn't think I was ready to play. And I'm grateful to this day for that guy. Just very thankful for Coach Morgan.
0: Um, I'm trying to remember, did you have some inj- injury issues too that kind of kept you off the field a little bit during some of those years?
1: Yeah, so my junior year, I was slated to start the whole year. That's right. A week before the first game, I had a high ankle sprain on my left ankle. Um. And then I think Jeff Keppel played. But I was fine. Uh, I think it was the Iowa State game. Mm-hmm. I came off an injury, but they were like, you know, hey, Keppel just got hit by a truck, so we're going to. It was a cool story to have for him, so I'm like, okay,
0: (laughs) moped. I remember that video, man.
1: Yeah, it was it's crazy to this day. I'm happy he's alive, but they gave him the opportunity. I'm like, okay, you know, you know, it kind of hurts my chances for anything. Like I said, I wasn't thinking NFL or anything. I just wanted to play because I love football. Wanted to play, so I was kind of upset, but it gave somebody else the opportunity. So I, you know, I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly. Um, and then I ended up playing the Michigan in the Michigan State game. We were at Michigan, and we ended up winning, which was really cool. That was probably my favorite game. Um, then Michigan State, I got hurt again, and I got rolled up on after we were up 30-0 to zero after halftime. They kept us in, and the first play out of halftime, I rolled my right ankle. <laughs> it was out for the rest of the season. So those are the injuries that really, really took me out that those couple of years.
0: How do you deal with something like that mentally? Going, you know, you're you're working your your ass off for three years to get to be a starter. You know, both from a football standpoint, from a physical standpoint, you get your chance, and then you know, it's out of your control. And then you got—is the mental part of that almost as difficult as the physical rehab?
1: It's more it's more taxing than the physical rehab. Um, As a player, you know your body's going to get better, and you're going to get back to. What you were doing, but mentally it, it changes you. Um, when you get back on the field, it's like, all right, can I do this? Can I take that left step? Can I take that wide that wide range step? You know, like I used to, and because you're still going to feel some aches and pains, and you don't know how you're going to feel about it when you're out on the field. But you know, you got to learn to retrust yourself, retrust your mental. Uh, everything really fell fell back on my fundamentals at that time. Um, That's what uh, Coach Morgan really taught me, you know, falling back on your fundamentals, even when, you know, you may have a bum ankle or you got a sore elbow or something. So, but mentally it is, even when I was in the league, mentally it is the hardest thing being separated from your friends because they're at practice, they're looking at you like, all right, it's been about five weeks, you should be all right by now. But, you know, physically you can't do it, but they think you can do it. So it's tough mentally on a lot of guys. you know, some more than others. Some guys come out of it really good. Uh, RG3 was a, a great example of a guy that can come off an injury and just be all right mm. mentally. Uh, and you got some guys that are just – after an injury, it's over with for them. So, like I said, mentally it's tough.
0: What are some of uh, – what are your some some of your fondest memories? You were here during a pretty good stretch of, of Iowa football from 08 from mm-hmm. to – you know, or oh seven to eleven, right? Was you were oh seven yeah. to eleven? Yeah. So good stretch there. I mean, the oh eight season with Sean Green and two thousand nine, <laughs> okay. obviously the Orange Bowl. Two thousand ten, beat Missouri in the Insight. Um, two thousand eleven, uh, played Oklahoma in the Insight. What are, What are some <laughs> of the memories that stick out most to you?
1: Um, Sean Green, like you said, that was one <laughs> of the coolest seasons I've ever been a part of. From High school all the way to the pro, that was one of the coolest things I got to see. He was what runner-up for the Doak Walker Award, or he won. Heisman, or something like that.
0: He okay, won the Doak Walker. I think it was yeah,
1: right. He won Doak, and he was like fifth for Heisman. Man, that I've never seen a back run like that since then in college. I there's been some greats, you know, Jordan what was his name, Jordan Taylor from Wisconsin, some other guys, mm-hmm. but Sean Green, man, that was an awesome season. Um, uh, was another one? I was kind of upset. The uh, <laughs> it was the Missouri, the 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 junior year Missouri game, the one we won because I didn't get to play obviously because of the injury, but I was fine. I didn't get to play, but i like I said, I understood where it was mm-hmm. coming from. So I was a little, a little taken aback by that one. Um, just being around the guys really, just waking up every morning at six o'clock, walking from the dorm to to practice every day and. It's snowing like crazy. It's 10 inches of snow on the ground. and They're telling us, don't walk through the hospital because, you know, you guys make too much ruckus. We're like, we're just trying to stay warm. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Those are probably my fondest memories, being with the guys, being in the dorms, hanging out with, like, guys like Mike Daniels, Christian Ballard, uh, LeBron Daniel. just hanging out with the guys is probably my favorite.
0: Um, what did you study at Iowa? What was your uh, degree in?
1: Uh, interdepartmental departmental studies. So um, I started off in a business degree, didn't work out. Um, so me and my counselor, I forgot his first name, but Mr. Wolf, we decided to go to the interdepartmental studies route where you can kind of pick the, the different courses you wanted to do mm-hmm. and kind of intermingle them into a degree. And I thought that was really cool.
0: What was your experience like, just not away from football at Iowa, just kind of on campus and in- in classes and was that a good uh experience
1: yeah it was it was good it was a great experience uh being a kid that never thought he would go to college and being able to go to college mm-hmm. it was it was huge so I didn't take it with a grain of salt it was something that I really cherished you know knowing I'm getting a free degree, which is huge, especially in my family i think i'm the in my family my immediate family I'm the first one to you know, finish college, so um, it was pretty big for me. Uh, getting up every day, taking the bus, I didn't get to take the bus in high school, well, not in high school, but just the normal bus and taking right. to the classes and stuff. Uh, just the whole experience as a whole, it was cool. Um, getting meals and hanging out with not just the football players, but the people that were at the at the school period. And everybody was really cool. I never had, well, I'm not saying I never had any troubles because there were a few times where some stuff happened but i had i had an awesome experience the day-to-day life at iowa was something that i cherish to this day it was dope it was really dope
0: so um after that uh the insight bowl against oklahoma it's time to get ready for the draft take us through that process and and kind of uh you know that preparation and and then uh well you were taking what in the fifth round, fifth round pick. Yeah, or? fifth
1: round. Yeah. Okay. So inside bowl happens. You know the camera falls on us on the on in all, on the offensive side of the ball.
0: Almost got Marvin. The camera.
1: Yeah, I was right next to him. <laughs> <laughs> right next to him, pulling the camera, the camera cable away. But uh, that goes down. Everybody's crying after the game because you know seniors. We all loved each other. We were really tight. Uh, we were already in Arizona, and I trained in Arizona. So, the next day, I woke up, and my agent picked me up, and we went straight into training the next day. Oh, wow. um, uh, What was the place called? Uh, Ian Danny's place. I think it's called Ian Danny's Central. That's where James Harrison trained when he was in the league. Hmm. Um, trying to think who else. There was a few guys. Uh, ah, man, I can't think of the the defensive end for the, the Ravens at the time, the big Teeth. But he was there, too. Suggs? Uh, Terrell Suggs. There you go. Yeah. Terrell Suggs. A lot of big-name guys were there. Um, got to train with some great guys. Tebow was there for a hot second. Um, but like I said, we went straight to work, um, not knowing I was going to, you know, be in the NFL. I knew I had an opportunity to – I mean, to get drafted, I should say. I knew I was going to be in the NFL. I just didn't know how I was going to shake out. So we always prepared for the NFL pro day. So, you know, training and training – um, for the pro day, didn't hear anything about the uh the uh what's what is it called the uh combine uh until two weeks before the combine they called me and said hey you know we want to get you in the combine some guys dropped out and we want to get you in here so I'm like all right you no know, so, <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah. so uh started tra- kept on training actually like in Danny was one of the best trainers I've ever had period. Excuse me, and uh, we just kept the same training regiment, and, uh, and Barry. I should say Ian Danny and Barry Gardner. Uh, Barry Gardner is a yeah. uh, uh, agent now himself. He's, I think he's got Taylor from Wisconsin, and uh, we go out there every day and just work our ass off, literally. And I was running four eights, like sub so four eight nines. I mean four, yeah four eight nines to four point four nine twos, and you know in that area. So I already knew I was gonna do well at the combine. So combine day shows up, and things like February twenty fourth or something like that. In the back of my mind, I already knew that I was gonna perform well. I didn't know how well, but I knew I was gonna perform pretty well. Just seeing my numbers, at, you know, on a daily basis. But it was a shock seeing guys there, you know, big name guys like RG three and Andrew Love, uh, Tannehill, um, other guys. Because I do, I really didn't see Belagan there was no bloggers a year older than me i didn't see like zeus because they split it up by name you know last name so i was the front half so i really didn't see too many guys that i knew mm. in the front half but seeing guys that you know you read about uh who's that offensive lineman that was uh david de castro was the big name mm. at the time and got to play with him when i was with the steelers so everybody's like oh de castro de castro and i I'm like, oh, that is Dave It It is cool seeing, you know, the people you read about and the people you know that are going to get drafted high. So that was kind of a cool experience and a long, long process. And uh, like I said, I knew I was going to perform well. So ended up having the combine. I run my 40, and all of a sudden me and some of the other guys, Ben Jones and just a couple other guys, I can't Rashad, R- Rashad Johnson and a few other guys are sitting there. And our phones start going off. We're like, okay, you know, of course they're talking about the combine. And they're like, somebody ran a four, a four nine one, a four nine one. And I'm like, who ran a four nine? You know, I knew I was gonna do well, but didn't know how well. <laughs> you like, and everybody's like, yeah, that was me, that was me. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably yeah, you're right, it's probably you guys. So, because they don't they don't tell you your times when you're running. So after the combine, I saw my name was trending on Twitter. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot, <laughs> that's me. So I was freaking out and. Everybody was texting me. Facebook wasn't that big at the time, but it's starting to blow up. So Facebook, Instagram, all that. And uh, that's when I kind of knew like, okay, I can do this. This is, this is, you know, huge for me. And uh, then when a draft time came around. And uh, you know, some people have draft parties, some people go out, go fishing. I went to my grandmother's house because I wanted my family to be together and have everybody that, you know, really believed in me since day one be there, and that's what happened. And we're just in the basement, you know, first round goes by. I already knew that wasn't going to happen. My agent calls me that day, the other first round. He's like, you know, you're going to – the Texans call and They said they're going to pick you up. What was the third pick in the – in the third round? I think it was like the 99th pick. So I'm like, all right, cool. That's what they said. You know, I'm going to go to the Texans third round. Great. Second round comes. All right. Third round comes. T- Texans pick comes up. Oh, son. Texans pick comes up, 99th pick, Brandon Brooks. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait what? <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of this guy, you know, big old guy. He didn't go to the combine. So I'm like, hmm. so Brandon Brooks goes up. So I'm like, all right, what's going to happen next? The next day comes, I get a call from uh, who was the coach at the time for the Washington, it was the Washington Redskins. And uh, Mike Shanahan called me, Hey, you know, we want to bring you in. Work with you. I can't wait to work with you. Blah 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 blah. Dan Schneider was on the phone, uh, the owner of the Redskins. We talked, and they're like, "All right, great. You know, see you next week." I'm like, "Next week? <laughs> I didn't know how the process works. So I'm like, next week already? I don't get to celebrate." <laughs> so, we really we literally left the next week and got to work for rookie minicamp. So that was kind of the process <laughs> of, you know, right after the bowl to first day of uh, the first day of NFL.
0: You know, the guys that get picked early as you talked about you know the guys in first second third round they kind of have a leg up when you get to camp you know because right. you got to make the gms look good if they're picking you that exactly. high you know they, exactly. it's all part of the system um what was it like for you as a fifth rounder having to prove yourself and then uh, being able to do that and then and then carve out a career for yourself i think you you um you buck the odds, man.
1: A lot of times, guys that yeah.
0: are in the position don't make it. As long as you made it and got to play, as long as you got to
1: play. Yeah, I was very blessed. Uh, like uh, the first, the rookie mini camp, I saw names like Josh Oglesby was going to be at the Washington camp. I'm like, Josh Oglesby he was the number one player coming out of high school. I think it was. And he went to Wisconsin as an offensive lineman. He's coming to my camp. This ain't good. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> – not knowing the process of how drafting works and how free agency works, I'm like, this guy's going to beat me out. But, you know, finding out, you know, he didn't make it, and, you know, I was drafted, so I was slated to make the team. Um, it was it was tough. I, like I said, I've been very blessed. Uh, what, five different football teams, not a non-starter, uh, a, a 280-pound offensive lineman in the league, making it that long and just – Taking it step by step every day—that's what it comes down to. If you can take a step by step every day and treat every day like it's your last, that's what makes that's what makes it easy. That's what makes it easy for you. That's what it makes it what makes it easy on the coaches because they can trust you. Um, I had a coach come up to me. Uh, actually, not even just one coach. It's probably like legit seven coaches saying, "Oh, you know, you're an Iowa guy." And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm an Iowa guy." We said, "We would have never expected you to be an Iowa guy." You know, dreads not. Like, no, I'm an Iowa guy. (laughs) So they're like, you know, you Iowa guys, especially offensive linemen, are so dependable. We don't have to worry about you guys. You guys are smart. You guys, you know, know how to make your way around the NFL, and coaches really appreciate it. Like I said, I've heard that from, like, seven or eight different coaches, head coaches. Um, Two GMs told me that. So even just coming out of Iowa, you you have a better opportunity than some other guys. Um, just, Just... making yourself dependable. That's what it comes down to. If you could, if a coach can trust you, and if you can make just one coach trust you, because one uh, different coaches go around the league to different teams every year. So if one coach can really trust you, he's going to bring you along with him, And that's kind of what happened for me.
0: You mentioned, but I think before we started recording about the New York giants um, job that you were looking to do um, or, or looking to fill before COVID, what, 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 uh, talk to us about what that is and and kind of maybe where you're looking now uh for the future
1: um it was an it was a a paid internship with the giants to be uh with uh david Tyree in uh, player development okay. player engagement uh I was supposed to do i think it was like nine weeks of that and then nine weeks of uh it was mostly player engagement but uh it was a really cool opportunity. I really didn't want to turn it down. And that's something I'm really passionate about is helping players at that level, you know, just get through everyday life. Being a football player, I don't care how much money you make, it's, it's taxing on the mental and it's taxing physically. And I've been there. I've done that. I played at the highest level. I've, I've been a starter. I started a game. <laughs> so I've been there and, you know, been able to talk and, and you know, talk to talk, walk the walk. And I can help players, you know, deal with that day-to-day mental and physical abuse that football really takes on you. Um, I feel like at any point, a guy can go from being the best player to the worst player just because he doesn't have somebody to talk to. And I feel like, I've, like I said, I've been there and I can be that person that a lot of these guys can talk to. Um, but COVID, man, I tell you, 2020—it's been—it's <laughs> been crazy. So uh, it got canceled because of COVID, uh, which which sucks. But hopefully, uh, another opportunity arises. Hopefully, from another NFL team. I would love to do it for the Texans. Like I said, I'm here in Houston. Live in Houston now. Would love to do it at the University of Houston. Uh, player engagement, uh, either for the Texans, uh, Texas Southern, Rice. Mm-hmm. So I just want to be, you know, somewhere close to Houston, be around my son. But at the same time, I know my calling is helping other athletes out, uh, get to where they can be them their best selves. So that's kind of where I want to keep my talents at.
0: Uh, 2 question here. Was it hard to decide that fo- you were done with football, playing football? And, um, you know, does – staying involved in the game kind of help with that transition or at least trying to do that?
1: Um, It was an easy decision for me to leave football. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous, but it was true. Um As soon as I hit 30, my body wasn't running the same as it did at 22, 23 years old. So I'm like, okay, I, mentally, I was one of the best players out there, but physically, nah. <laughs> yeah. I, But I've been through so many playbooks, been through four or five different playbooks. Um, A lot of the playbooks are really the same in the NFL once you get down to it. So I could talk to you play by play what everyone has to do from receiver to quarterback to center to guard to tackle. So I was good at that. But um, like I said, physically, it was just tough. Um, Just years of your ankles getting beaten up, your head getting beaten up. I knew it was time for me to kind of settle down and, I wanted to start a family, so that was – that ended up being my main focus. Um, Being in football, it does help mentally. For me, I I never – I was never Adam the football player. I was Adam the guy that plays football. So it was never, Mm -hmm. you know, an identity crisis for me, which I learned a long time ago to keep it that way. So it was an easy transition, but um, being in football, it it still does help. It, It helps the mental side for me. Uh, I miss being around guys, yeah. be guys, and, you know, watching competition up close and being able to just get my, my little bit of wisdom that I do have and put it up upon somebody else that may want it or may need it.
0: How, I mean, how much of a physical toll has your body taken? I mean, do you, do you feel it pretty much every day when you get up and try to move around? You, you got a one-year-old now, you're going to be chasing him. <laughs> so that's got, that's, that's physical.
1: Oh, yeah. you I I, I do feel it. Uh, mentally, it's been, I don't want to say terrible, but you take a few hits to the head, it's, you know, it's serious. Yeah. Uh, I have memory loss every here, here and there, but, you know, like I said, that's neither here nor there. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah, I tore my bicep two years ago <laughs> that they told me I didn't tear, so, you know, go ahead and play through it. Whoa. So I still have this torn bicep uh, from the Bucks. So that kind of sucks. Uh, I would like it repair Hopefully the NFL will take care of it <laughs> one of these days. But you're looking into that soon. Uh, you know, can't bend as well as I used to. Like I said, I had a few high ankle sprains between college and the pros. So that really messed up my ankles pretty good. But other than that, I, I came out pretty clean compared to some other guys. I know some other guys are a lot worse. So I, I can't complain. I really can't complain.
0: Um, you, you talked about being involved in, in uh, you know helping guys out, helping guys that, you know through the mental 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 part of football and you know just being there and, and being able, you know having somebody to talk to is so important uh, having right. a mentor or uh, somebody to listen to you all, you know that stuff 's so important um, and if this recent Iowa football story has taught me anything. It's that Iowa didn't have enough of that. It, ha- it didn't have, you know, John Streif left in 2012. And, yeah, you know, yeah. Fred Mims retired. And yeah. a lot of guys that could be that soundboard didn't see – they didn't seem to have that as much. Um, how important uh, – you know, you've you played at Iowa. you played in the NFL. How important is it to have that, to have the ability to have somebody to listen, that can listen to you?
1: I'll tell you this, if I didn't have somebody and I had, you know, my uncle, my dad, my my family to talk to you, but it's different having an outside party come and talk to you. And there were some guys that really, really helped me to, you know, figure out my way around Iowa when I thought, you know, I was uh, not going to be there because I wanted to leave because, you know, I wasn't playing my junior year and I kept getting injured. Uh, Eric Campbell was one of them, great, yeah. great coach. Uh, like I said, Coach Morgan, another great coach that is still a father figure to me to this, to this day. Um, John I, I Somebody – it might have been you. Somebody came with a, came out with an article about how great John Streif was. So I, I went and texted him, what was that, about three, uh, three or four days ago, and we had a 15-minute conversation just about, you know, him being him. There was a story one time where some of the guys went out to the restaurant and he happened, happened to be there. And we were eating, we we're about to pay for our tab. And the lady's like, no, that man over there is taking care of it for us. And he's, as he's walking out, and it was Streep. <laughs> Streep is just, he was one of those guys. And you can sit down and talk to him about anything. Um, there, there, there's, those are my big, big guys that really helped me get through the, my career in, in college. When I didn't think, you know, I can make it, but it's huge. I'm, I mean, it's really huge. I I wish that the guys, you know, well, I hope I'm not gonna say wish because I know there are some guys in place, but I I wish I hope the guys take the opportunity to talk to some guys like, Roderick Benz, who's been through it. Um, he's he's probably your best resource, I feel, because he came from pretty much the same pedigree that I came from, home and football wise. So if, if the young guys get an opportunity to talk to him, I would definitely advise it. Definitely advise it.
0: You know, we look through this, Adam, from a, a lens from outside the football facility and outside the building. Um, what was this like for you when you saw this happening last month, when James Daniels kind of got this conversation started? And it's not an easy conversation. We've heard that a lot, but, but right. the tough conversations are necessary
1: they are definitely necessary. So what happened, James, you know, posted something. And then uh, I think it was a couple of days later, uh, there was a group of guys that sent text messages to each other and like, Hey, you know, let's make this group text and let's talk about our experiences and what we thought our experiences were. And let's get everybody on board to, you know, Hey, what can we do to make a difference? And I just happened to be one of those guys in the text chat and, I was happy to be a part of that because it's it's something that I believe needed to be talked about and needed to be taken care of. And I have 100% faith in Kirk Ferentz and that he will get it done. Um, coach Joy, like I said, he was a great strength coach and he was great at what he did. And he's not a terrible guy. I'm not going to say he's a terrible guy, but there's some things that went on that I definitely didn't agree with. It weren't some things weren't based towards me (laughs) personally, one or two, but um, he could have handled some things better. And, but that's, you know, that's around the country, but um, just hearing guys and their experiences and you, you can empathize with a lot of those guys. You're just like, wow, you know, I didn't go through that, but I can only imagine mentally how it destroyed you and ended up having you leave. We had when my me and Mike Daniel sat down and wrote down each name of everybody that left or were, was kicked out of Iowa, and it's fifty-four guys between two thousand seven and two thousand five, and that's a huge number. That's yeah. a huge number for plenty of reasons, you know, from one thing to the other. Um, but like I said, I have one hundred percent faith in Kirk Ferentz and Always have, always will, because he is, in my opinion, the best coach in college football that he will get whatever needs to get done, done. So I'm, I'm happy for the program that hopefully they get it together.
0: We hear a lot about um, the term inclusive, being more inclusive for guys. In your mind, Adam, what, what would make that? Obviously, you, you kind of reference Coach Doyle maybe being – I think sometimes when, when – And maybe this isn't far-fetched either. You know, you've got guys that are a little bit older. We we don't have football coaching staffs that stay for 20 years. And you kind of have to change with the times a little bit. How how can you be an inclusive environment but still demand what needs to be demanded from this game? You talked about how tough this game is. And you have to have that certain mentality, but you also have to be respected.
1: I agree. Um, It takes some younger folks getting in there and talking to the coaches but these, I feel like these younger folks have to be willing to listen to the older folks and older folks have to be willing to listen to the younger folks. Like I said, Kirk, I believe is going to end up doing a great job. (laughs) When I was playing, we couldn't have Twitter. We couldn't have Instagram. We couldn't have those certain things. And, uh, I don't think we barely had music at practice and I heard they do a little bit of music at practice now and guys can have Twitter. Um, they can you know speak out a little bit guys can wear earrings and certain things uh certain things people believe is a part of their culture whereas back in my day we there was there was none of that there was white socks <laughs> white shoes <laughs> you wear this you have to wear that you know no earrings no hats no hoods no nothing but like i said he i i haven't talked to him personally recently but from what i've heard he has changed some things in the program and letting you be yourself a little bit more. And I can definitely appreciate that because it's, it's hard losing your identity. If, if you believe, and it's not about a black and white thing all the time, mm. but if your identity is your earrings or your identity is your hat, that's not hurting anybody. So go ahead and let them wear their hat or their earrings. That's, I, I don't think it's, it's hurting anybody.
0: One of the, um, stories that I've heard a few times from people is the hair.
1: You're obviously <laughs> a guy who, you know,
0: has long hair. Um,
1: yeah.
0: How was that for you? I mean, did you, was that cool? Were you all right with that? I mean, were they all right with your hair?
1: Who? Which football player came out and said they got made fun of the
0: hair? Uh, I know George Lewis mentioned it, was but he, he was me? like, oh, he, well, he went way back. He was like, Oh, three, Oh, four. Okay. Um, I read
1: a I read an article about a, a younger guy that got made fun of his hair. I guess he had one side of his hair out, and one side of his hair braided. I actually maybe got it was made Jaleel hair too. Was it Jaleel Johnson? Uh, it? Uh, I can't somebody, remember. Somebody, yeah, so many stories, it just, man. So many, it's hard <laughs> to keep. Yeah. You know what I'm it's hard to keep up with them. But I actually, I got made fun of too. Um, uh, I forgot. There was a couple coaches that mentioned, you know, why are you doing that? Why would you do your hair like that? Why? Like, because I want to do it, and this is who I am, so I'm going to do it. And after a while, it, you know, it wasn't a problem after that. But to, you know, be berated for a couple of days, or I forgot however long it was, about something so minute, it, it plays on you a little bit. It really does. Um, I feel like I am very, a strong mental person when it comes to stuff like that. So I kind of just throw it, out the, throw it out the window. It goes one ear right out the other. But for some people, it's something minute to me it could be, huge to somebody else so I can I, I empathize with the guy that had to go through that Um like I said, my hair was disgusting my first few years when I did it when I when I had in that little afro you take your helmet off and it was terrible I got pictures to this day my mom's like what the hell were you thinking like, <laughs> like mom it's okay it's gonna look better once I get a little bit older it grows out you know it'll be done but uh yeah I got I, I got the same treatment I, I really did I, I got made fun of but like, like I said, for me, it went through one ear and right out the other, but I definitely can empathize with the guys that it took a bit, a bigger toll on them
0: I'll keep you a couple more minutes. I see your little guy probably wants a nap or something <laughs> to eat um,
1: yeah, it's probably the time
0: just just in terms of um I, I I've talked to so many people, former players that feel mm-hmm. that I feel like now are like. You get, you know, you go to the NFL, you start families, you leave the program, you kind of, you're still watching on Saturdays. You're still, you know, you're still proud to be a Hawkeye, but maybe the connection's not there as much. It seems like this has kind of brought guys together. Guys are talking more now. Text, you talked about the text. Does it feel like that, that a lot of guys through the years are getting together now and saying, hey, how can we help? How can we make this change and make this the best program it can
1: be? It has brought guys together. It shouldn't have taken this to bring guys together. Um, uh, You know, guys here and there stay close. Like I said, me and Mike have been best friends since day one. Hmm. Uh, Zusevic, same thing. You know, we stayed together, but it's brought guys from different generations of the game together, Um, like like a Jalil, like a James Daniels. um, Hmm. Been in contact with both of those guys, and they've been really instrumental in this, and. I, can, it, I hate to say that it did bring everybody together because it's just such a a bad thing that went on, but I'm glad it did bring us all together because it's bringing that community and it's bringing that, that hard talk that we all need to have and um, that we're able to have. And everybody is starting to understand, okay, this is what happened. Let's get over it and let's make it something where we can all be together. And that's what I think is going to be the biggest part of this. And I'm excited to see what the program does after uh, we all just kind of figure out a date. Because from what I've heard, a lot of the guys are trying to get down there for a game. And we're, we're talking like 40, 50 guys coming to a game and just hanging out and having that camaraderie. I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it.
0: Yeah, Adam, and I'll add my own commentary here. From all the guys that I've talked to, I, I think sometimes people get it twisted on the outside that feel like, hey, these guys are trying to hurt the program or bring it down. No. It couldn't be farther from the truth from all the guys that I've talked to. Exactly.
1: You, know? we, you guys want the we best? Want to, we want the Iowa program to be Big Ten champs every year and win a national title. That, that was the text group that we had. That is 80% of what we talked about. We... Have had guys that should have been playing um, that could have took us to the next level that didn't get to play for whatever reason. And some things could have got fixed, some things couldn't have got fixed. But, you know, we want the guys that are on the field to be the best guys. And we feel like the Iowa program can take that next step as long as those guys get the help, even if they're not the best guys, you know. If they can get the help, they can become better guys and be great for the football program. And we just want to see everybody excel to the next level. That's, that's what it comes down to. We want to see the Iowa program be the best program because we know and we've been there and we've gotten to – like I said, we've been to the Orange Bowl. We were number nine in the nation. We know what it felt like to be one of the best teams in the nation. And we just want all the younger pro, the younger guys to feel that same, that, that same feeling that we had in 2009.
0: Well said, man. I uh, I really appreciate you taking time and juggling the little guy so we could we could do this
1: podcast. And anytime, brother, anytime. I'll,
0: I'll let you uh, I'll let you give your, your full attention to him now. And uh, but thanks for all the insight, man. It was great. I, I I I was like, when's the last time I interviewed Adam? And it was it was during, it was pre draft outside of the bubble, man. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my God! I think, and I, I still have the video YouTube. somewhere. Yes, I think it's on YouTube, and I. If you have that video, send it to my Twitter. And I'm a. i am hate plugging things because. But oh, please, man! I'm sorry. If, if you want to talk about anything that's going on with the Iowa program, pertaining to what's going on right now, and you want any kind of answer, um, or you just want to talk about it, being good or bad. I am willing to talk about it. We can talk whatever you want to talk about it, and it will be respectful. It will be uh, whatever you want it to be. May, you may not get the answer that you want, but I'm going to give you the best answer that I can provide. Um, my Twitter is, what is it? Just look up Adam Geddes. I'll be the first guy on there. Not on you. duty. Not on duty. That's what it is. I made that up <laughs> years ago. So you're <laughs> saying you're telling,
0: fans to come, you're, you're telling fans that they can ask you questions on Twitter?
1: Yeah, go for it. Okay. I am not opposed to answering questions because I'm going to give you the real. And some people may not want to hear the real, but it is the real, and I'm going to give it the best possible answer that I can.
0: Okay, my man. Well, the little guy wants – what's the little guy's name?
1: Aiden. Aiden Geddes.
0: Aiden Geddes. Well, happy birthday, Aiden. Have a good time. <laughs> he, no, he, no, he's like, man, just hang up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Adam. Thanks again, man. You be well, all right? It was great to talk Anytime, to
1: you. Anytime, brother. It's good to talk to you too. Take care, Don't Bob. make it, don't make it another eight years before we talk again. No way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care, both. You too. Thanks.